This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Budabaker, like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealoux, Paul Calvisi, and three-time pro bowler Kyle Vandenbosch. Rookie minicamp check. OTAs check. Mandatory minicamp check, which means now it is the countdown to training camp before the regular season starts. Thankfully, there is still plenty of business for us to cover today right here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seat in a seat along with former Arizona Cardinal Kyle Vandenbosch, Paul Calvisi. I'm Danny Sarek filling in for Craig Grelu. We should start by... I should start by rather congratulating, thanking the two of you for spending this holiday with me. I learned on Twitter that it is National Arizona Day. So thank you for really? being here to celebrate. I did not know that. National Arizona Day? Yes, Paul. That seems to be a non sequitur. I mean, a state and a national, I, it just doesn't seem to go together all that well. You're, you're green, Kyle, on that? I agree. I think we should celebrate it in January, February when you can enjoy the weather and it's not so hot outside. <laughs> I mean, what, right. how, you, how do you yeah. celebrate? National Arizona Day in June. Stay inside in the air conditioning? I'll tell you what, a week ago today, it was National Kyle Vandenbosch Day in the eyes of Cameron Thomas because we were entering into this very studio to record Big Red Rage, a segment there, Danny. And, and I introduced, he's like, wow, who's this guy who's looking at me eye to eye, right? I mean, I'm like Pauly Pigskin and Pauly Pencilneck here. There's this big dude looking Cameron Thomas in the eye, and I introduced him. There's Kyle Vandenbosch. I didn't have to explain one iota of his great pass rushing career because Cameron Thomas knew himself some KVB. The look in his eyes. I mean, they, he was a big fan of yours, especially when you were with Detroit. Yeah, I appreciate that, as it has been when players <laughs> no. players remember. I mean, I get no respect in my own household, so when uh, players still remember that uh, I actually put on a uniform and a helmet, I appreciate that. <laughs> Cameron Thomas, he knew, Danny. He definitely knew. <laughs> I love that. That's great. There is plenty to talk about with this Cardinals team, even though with the exception of the rookies, all the veterans have left, coaches are going on vacations. We learned something last week at mandatory minicamp that, at least for me, I wasn't so sure that was really on my radar, and that has to do with starting center Rodney Hudson. He was one of the veterans who was not here at voluntary OTAs, which isn't a big shocker. It's not very concerning. However, he was the only player not here at mandatory minicamp last week. And when we heard from head coach Cliff Kingsbury, he said that it was unexcused, and we learned that Hudson and the team were, quote, working through some things. And that was the extent that we got. So now that's a new level of concern, Paul. And you know what? I am concerned. A little bit. I I mean, anytime you go from a proven center to potentially an unproven center, uh, that is a key position, as we have learned over the years, then, yeah, that has the potential to be a concern. Now, what exactly are they working through? Is it feasible and realistic they're going to get through it and reach a deal and an agreement that will have them here in camp and in time for that opener week one against Kansas City? 
Because if all of a sudden, Kyle, you're going with Justin Pugh, sure, a decade in the league, an above-average offensive lineman, but he's never played center before if, indeed, he's your guy. Yeah, and you know, while I have no doubt uh, the makeup of Justin Pugh and his intelligence and his experience, you know, he could probably step in and be fine. It's tough, especially late in your career, to make a position change, play a completely different position. Um, and you know, I, we talked a lot early in the season last year about the effect that Rodney Hudson had on this offense and the, how different the offensive line as a whole and the offense as a whole looked with him on the field and his contributions and and to a player in that offensive line room they talked about his impact not just on game days but in, in the film room and on the practice field and, and what he added to the group um, it was it, you know it was a huge sigh of relief when uh, the Cardinals signed him last year and with his experience and the level that he plays at um, it, you know it would be a big loss and you know so um, you're hoping that um, it's something that can get worked through, and whatever the issues are, um, you know the two sides come together, and, and it's it's not an issue once training camp starts. Here's Kingsbury last week on Hudson's absence from minicamp. Yeah, no update. Um, we're working through something with him. As soon as we know, we'll, we'll have that update. Excused or um, not excused? Can you say anything more about it? I can't. Not right now. And that got everyone's attention. Because that was unexpected, the unexcused part of it, the absence of Rodney Hudson. Other guys had missed, like you mentioned, Marcus Goldens, et cetera, but they were there for the mandatory minicamp. And this just in, Danny, your quarterback is five foot ten. And the quickest point from A to B is a straight line. And so if all of a sudden you are not stout up the middle through the A gap, guess what? That's gonna be unnerving. That's gonna be unsettling to Kyler Murray, more so than a big Ben Roethlisberger who can stand in the pocket at six foot six, two hundred fifty pounds, with pass rushers dripping and hanging all over him, and with Kyla Murray, you know that is an issue. And so, if you're telling all of a sudden that the interior line might be a question mark, look out. We saw that last year when Hudson missed a couple of games, whether from COVID or injury. Now that was really Max Garcia stepping in, who signed with the Giants in free agency. However, we saw a very clear difference when it wasn't Hudson at center with Kyler Murray in terms of the snaps, the communication, it was quite evident. So now if you don't have Hudson, it's concerning at this point. And when Justin Pugh was asked about potentially moving from left guard to center last week when he was talking, or sorry, not rather last week, but on the Dave Pash podcast, here's what he had to say. I've never played center before in my career, but I've seen guys play center late into their careers. Center mentally is just so much tougher. And in our offense, the center makes a lot of the calls. That's why we prioritize that position every offseason. We clearly value that position. So for me, it's like if I'm going to keep taking pay cuts at guard, maybe I should move to center and see if I can do that. But I'll do whatever's best for the team. I've played guard. Playing guard's like riding a bike for me. You can put me out there and I know what I got to do. So to get some reps at center and see how that shakes out, it's interesting. It's fun. It, it makes you break a mental sweat and I learn a little bit more. It'll make me better if I want to be a broadcaster because you got to learn coverages sure. and do all those things. So at the very least, it's going to help my broadcasting career. Offensive lineman Justin Peel on the Dave Pash podcast. Kyle, you know a thing or two about that. <laughs> You're going from playing to the broadcast career. I know it was different because you were on the opposite side of the ball on defense. How realistic is it at this point in Justin Pugh's career to make a shift on the offensive line enough to where he could be your starting center? It, it's realistic. Um, I can't recall, um, it, you know, typically 
tackles uh, when they get later on in their career they can move inside to guard and that can at times be interchangeable um, center is kind of a whole different position um, but again I, I see um, Justin Pugh potentially having the traits to be a really good center I mean he's um, he, he's been in the trenches he's been inside he's able to make the calls he's able to ID things he's seen everything he's played against everything um, you know the, the tough part like we talked about um, it you know, you you build your team in the offseason, you draft in the offseason to win your division, right? And Rodney Hudson was brought in um, because our division has some really good pass rushers, particularly in, interior pass rushers with Aaron Donald, with the guys they have in San Francisco. Um, and knowing what we know with Kyler, um, the quickest way to um, disrupt his timing, to throw him off, is get that quick inside pressure. So um, it's, it's not just, you know, Justin Pugh, will probably could move inside could be a really good center it's the domino effect of you know moving other pieces around and and how that affects the depth um, throughout the season it's interesting to hear Justin Pugh talk about the mental challenge I think we'd all agree Justin Pugh is above average IQ right football and otherwise and to hear him talk about even though he has a decade in the league how challenging it is to play mentally that position for a guy who seemingly has seen everything it gives you pause because we remember the anecdote from the week one win, the big win at Tennessee, where middle of the game, Ronnie Hudson was the one who barked at Kyler to make an adjustment. He saw something in that Titans defense and they hit him big for a, for a big play touchdown. Those are the sort of adjustments that Rodney Hudson was critical at making with his young quarterback. Right. And it's not just identifying with, you know, when you're a guard and a tackle, you have a guy that you know you have to block. When you're the center and you're declaring, how you're going to block this given play. You want to know, okay, how does the quarterback want it blocked? Which guy are we going to leave the hot guy so the quarterback can read off of him? Um, can my tackle potentially reach this wide five technique or do we need to change our blocking scheme? You need to know the other four guys around you and how they're going to pick guys up. And even a tight end, you know, well, well we need chip help on this pass play. So you need to know the entire scheme. You need to understand the ability of the entire personnel in the offensive line and and tight ends and running backs, and it's it's you get, you put a lot more on your plate mentally when you are center in the NFL. Paul, you mentioned the mental aspect, but we also have to talk about the physical aspect that Justin Pugh has been working through. We learned when he talked to the media last week he was on the verge of retiring when the Cardinals, you know, had him take a pay cut last season, and so because of that he wasn't eating as much and was dropping a lot of weight because he didn't think he was going to be playing. So now he's been putting on all this weight. And this is what he had to say on the Dave Pash podcast. What weight did you play at last year? Like 285, 280. And now, we played the Rams the first time we played the Rams. I was 278 pounds in that Rams game. So everyone's telling me I'm too skinny right now. And I'm like, I'm four pounds off of the lightest I played at last year. <laughs> and put my film on. If you think it's a problem, put my film sure. on. And the Cardinals obviously watched the film, and they're still paying me. So something – I, I got to get the weight back up. But in our offense, we go so fast, and the way I play – it, it lends itself. I'm a very aggressive player now as opposed to sitting back and kind of just being like a garbage can. You know, and he's a guy that, look, um, you know, he does it with his technique and, and, and his ability to move. There have been plenty of centers, Kyle, over the years who have been sub 300 pounds and have been very, very effective. So, you know, look, if you're going, if you're telling me right now, minus Rodney Hudson, if, if he is not going to be there this year. And remember, you gave up a third-round pick for Rodney Hudson just two years ago. So it would be a loss in more ways than one. I would say your best offensive line left to right would be DJ Humphreys, Will Hernandez, who has played mainly left guard in his career, 
Justin Pugh at center, Justin Murray at right guard, who was your starter at right guard a year ago before he suffered the early season back injury, and then Kelvin Beecham at right tackle, assuming he holds off Josh Jones in that challenge there. That's probably your starting five, but you don't have a lot of depth at that point. Well, that, that leads me to my next question. Up until about a week ago, I think a lot of us would have agreed in terms of if you're going to add another veteran presence before during during training camp, you'd probably be looking at cornerback, maybe interior defensive line. Does center, interior offensive line now jump to the top of that list? I, I certainly think it might. Um, it, you know, you can never have too much depth on the offensive line. Um, it, you know, it's a, it seems like a small thing adding that extra game. It is hard to field a capable offensive line for 16 games, let alone 17. And, a, and if, especially if you're a team that's looking to go further in the playoffs this year, you need that quality depth. Um, so, you know, it, 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 you're probably not going to find a starting center at this point in the offseason, but um, to find a guy that can step in and not see a drop-off, not, not have to – change the plays you're running or, or how you run your offense because you're trying to cover up for him, um, I think it's important. And, um, you know, it, it, really both sides of the trenches, like you said, depth is, is critical. And remember, Rodney Hudson missed five games a year ago. He missed five games. Cardinals won two and lost three. So they've been there and done that. Sean Harlow was a guy who, who had filled in, but is definitely viewed as more of a depth piece and a backup than a potential. They had Billy Price in earlier in the offseason, who started many games over many years for the New York Giants most recently. So to your point, Danny, yeah, that's got to be on the radar of Steve Kahn. Justin Pugh having to eat those extra calories. Kyle, what was your go-to when you had to add some extra calories to your, your diet while playing? Old school, peanut butter sandwich. I you love gotta, it. Got to get those calories. I love it. Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by Seeky. Get your seat in a seat. We will be right back after the short break. We're going to talk about now a quarterback, Kyler Murray, and his connection with his newest receiver, who he's quite familiar with from playing at the University of Oklahoma, Marquise Hollywood Brown. Stay with us. Fresh set of downs on the OU 25-yard line. Going deep for Hollywood. Got it. Goodbye. Touchdown Sooners. 75 yards to one of the fastest guys on the field. Our own Dave passed with the call with ESPN for Kyler Murray and Hollywood Brown back in 2018. OU at Iowa State. Welcome back into the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by Seeky. Get your seat in a seat. Kyle Vandebosch, Paul Calvisi, I'm Danny Sarek. So not only does Kyler Murray have chemistry with his newest receiver, Hollywood Brown, Dave Pash has chemistry calling <laughs> the games. Right. He gone. He's been there and done that when he's seen Hollywood Brown just take off and use that sub 4-3 speed. Now that's according to Hollywood Brown. He didn't run the 40 officially at the Combine because he was injured, but I asked him on draft night after the trade went down if you were healthy at the Combine. He said, oh yeah, sub 4-3. In his opinion, he would have made a run at John Ross's 4-2-2, the all-time best 40 in Combine history. I don't know about that, but he's a burner. Is there any competition on this team, or does Hollywood have that speed by long shot? It depends who you ask. If you ask Rondell Moore, there's definitely competition. So Rondell, and that's a great dynamic of this whole thing. When you look at it big picture, and we'll get into Kyler and Hollywood, you know, number one thrown to number two. But when you see number two and number four pushing each other, Danny, you know, you tell me, Kyle, I mean, if you got that sort of internal competition between two players in the same position room, 
It's sort of like last year, one of the big downsides of J.J. Watt going down in Week 7 was I, I firmly believe that Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt were pushing each other. As two guys with more than 100 career sacks, they sort of looked at each other and said, you know what, bro, I'm, I'm going to come out here. I'm going to ball out. You match my game. And I see that. I see that dynamic developing with a Hollywood Brown and a Rondale Moore. Yeah, healthy competition in the locker room is huge. Um, you know, especially with this talented wide receiver group. I mean, they're going to be competing. There's only one football, um, and Kyler can put it anywhere. So um, it's going to be a matter of um, you know which guys are going up and making plays, which guys um, catch the slant route and are able to stick their foot in the ground and, and you know eat up yardage quickly. And, and these are two guys that can definitely do that, and um, two guys that um, you know particularly early in the season are going to show their worth to this offense so that when DeAndre Hopkins is back, um, they're still a huge part of the game plan and they're contributors and they're playmakers and they're guys that are scoring touchdowns for this offense. We've talked a lot about the chemistry that Hollywood automatically has now that he's on the same team as Kyler Murray, his quarterback in college. They've been training together in the offseason in Dallas. Realistically, how much of a difference can Hollywood make game one because of that chemistry? Now, I know they have, you know, OTAs and, and mini camp and training camp to work on that chemistry as well. But if we're looking at game one, Kansas City, Kyle, how much are you expecting to see that chemistry just work right off the bat? Uh, particularly if they're going to, they've already worked a lot together um, throughout the summer. If they're going to continue to work together uh, throughout um, this month in July till training camp starts, um, that's it's so valuable. It's so valuable for quarterbacks to know his wide receivers inside and out where they're going to be how they like the balls um and 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 it's the same thing with hollywood for him to um you know know which balls kyler likes to throw um if kyler's under pressure where he wants him to show up um that chemistry between quarterback and receiver is so vital and i really appreciate that hollywood said um, you know, I'm going to be wherever Kyler is. He wants to continue to develop that, even though it's probably already there. Um, they already know each other well. They have that confidence going all the way back to college. They want to continue to build that and work on it. And I think uh, hopefully um, that work will pay off and, and potentially can show up um, early in the season. Let's hear Brown's answer from when he talked to the media last week about his plans between now and training camp. No, I'm going to work starting tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that, starting tomorrow, uh, get my body right, and then, you know, wherever Kyler's at, that's where I'm going to be. There's no doubt, Danny, in my opinion, this is plug and play, unlike if you would have taken a first-round receiver. I'll give you an example right now in Titans camp. Remember, the Cardinals are going to Nashville. They're going to be taking on the Titans in those joint practices. And everyone figured, oh, Traylon Burks, their first-round pick, would come in and immediately replace A.J. Brown. No, he's been struggling, according to all the reports, in the mini camps and the OTAs. At best, he's going to be their number three receiver at this point, just based on the experience alone. So let's say you brought in an uber-talented first-round rookie receiver. Well, it doesn't mean it's going to translate into game-day production right away. That's that's not the case with Hollywood Brown. It is plug-and-play. A guy already has three years in the league, has past experience with Kyla Murray. I mean, we, we've heard the anecdotes on how they're already out there in some of these practices looking at each other, hand signals, just making eye contact, knowing the adjustments, because they've already played together. They've been there and done that. And the, the great thing about Hollywood Brown, you mentioned, you know, not having the first round pick. He was a first round pick. So you do still get that sure. a receiver coming off a thousand yard season. Brown has more than just his speed. And Kingsbury touched on that last week. 
he can stretch the defense, there's no doubt. Vertically, I mean, he can really roll. He had a bunch of big plays last year. Could have had more, I felt like. And um, that's an aspect, you know, having A.J. Rondell, him, guys that can, can stretch the field from all angles is going to be good for us. Not only do you now have your number one receiver those first six games that DeAndre Hopkins has been suspended, but you can't help but get excited at the idea when D-Hop comes back to still have Brown on the field and what that will mean for this offense. Well, and think about it. Hollywood Brown is a guy who was the center of attention from opposing defenses. He was the one getting double covered. He was the one who would have the safety shade to his side of the field or get some of that bracket coverage. Well, when D-Hop comes back, to your point, guess what? All that attention is going towards number 10. And that is something that Hollywood has talked about, that he really looks forward to getting that single coverage, to being viewed as a second or third option behind uh, DeAndre Hopkins. And the Cardinals think that's where they can unlock a lot of his production and potential, especially the fact that he just spent his entire career in a Greg Roman offense in Baltimore where it was run first, second, and third, and then the fourth option was a tight end. And the fifth option was probably the tight end. And then the sixth option was Lamar Jackson run the ball. So at some point, A.J., you know, he got this thing where, okay, here's here's Hollywood Brown, and he just wants to get more targets, and he wants more targets downfield, and that didn't happen often enough in Baltimore. Right, and I, I love his answer about what he's going to do between now and training camp. Um, he didn't talk about a trip he has planned. He didn't talk about taking time off, getting his legs back. He's ready to get back to work. And I um, remember um, the week after the trade um, on the, the radio stations here in Phoenix, they brought in some people from Baltimore, and they asked, what kind of player are we getting, uh, trying to get us familiar. And to a person, they all said, he's a hard worker. He's one of the hardest workers in the locker room. And, um, you know, that not only will serve this team well, this not only will serve him well, it serves, you know, some of the younger receivers. It shows them what it takes, how he got to where he's at, and raises the level of everybody, not just on game day, but on the practice field as well. Kingsbury made a comment that his nickname Hollywood, because that's where he's from in Florida, you might think he's just chilling, but no, he is one of the (laughs) hardest workers. Kyle, which wide receiver are you looking to step up this year? Yeah, you know, everything I hear about Rondell Moore this offseason and how he looks and his attitude and um, perhaps um, his level of disappointment with his contributions to the offense last year, uh, I'm really looking for him to take that second-year step. Um, You know, we all saw it in the preseason. We saw it at times during the regular season, just the flashes of his ability and how dynamic he can be with the ball in his hands. Um, And, you know, he's going to get more opportunities as well. You know, he might not get more targets, but he will have more space to work with. You know, when you do have Hollywood Brown um, and you have DeAndre Hopkins and you have A.J. Green on the field, um, he's going to get the ball in space and he's going to have more uh, real estate to work with. And and I don't disagree with that, Rondell Moore, at all. I I would agree with that. But also throw out A.J. Green, I think, has more upside than what we saw last year. And just interviewing him twice this offseason right here in this very studio, he'll look you right in the eye and tell you, I left a lot of yards out in that field. And a lot of it was my doing. He pointed the finger at himself, and he's trying to improve his chemistry and his communication and connection with Kyla Murray. And he started off last season great, but like a lot of folks on the offensive side, didn't end so well. And so I wouldn't be shocked if A.J. Green, if he gets enough targets, He could approach that 1,000-yard receiving campaign, believe it or not, despite all the options for this quarterback. And something A.J. Green has talked about this offseason personally for him is wanting to strengthen that chemistry with Kyler Murray. Absolutely. And, And we saw it, unfortunately, you saw it on display too often where he wasn't in the right spot at 
the right time, and there was just seemingly confusion between him and the quarterback. And so if you can remedy that, and, and he said one of the big reasons he came back was because he didn't want to have to learn a new offense in another team. So he came back, and he already has that learning curve mastered, and we saw him in the offseason. He looked really good. And I think there's some Larry Fitzgerald to him in that, you know what, if he's single-covered, he's big enough, throw him the ball anyway. He does a great job of getting himself between the DB and the football. He may not have that separation speed any longer, but he's so savvy and he's so great with the body positioning, and he's so long that he can he can just basically box out a DB and still make the catch. Antoine Wesley, Tweezy also has that length, and he took some steps last year. I feel like Kyler Murray really helped Tweezy elevate his game where can you see him improve? What role do you see Tweezy playing, Kyle? It's a good question. I mean, it's it's going to be tough. Like I said, there's one football. Um, you know, his his opportunity is going to be when he gets on the field, he's got to make the most of it. But we saw it. Um, he's not afraid to be that guy. He has the potential to uh, make a big play when you need him to. So it, it's just going to come down to reps, and they're going to be hard to come by because of um, how deep that wide receiver room is. Not only the wide receivers, but – tight ends. I mean, Kyler Murray has plenty of options. Zach Ertz, Trey McBride, Max Williams when he's healthy. The little bit of optimism of not having DeAndre Hopkins for six weeks is you feel good about what the Cardinals have, not even looking in the backfield with James Conner or Darrell Williams. Yeah, think about it. If you have 12 personnel out there, for example, at James Conner, and then you have Trey McBride and Zach Ertz, okay, are they running it? Are they throwing it? And that's the point. You want to disguise the offense a little bit more as Trey McBride he shared with the media at one of his rookie press conferences, and maybe said a little bit too much, a little bit too much in that. But I think that is a big takeaway. Every team self-scouts themselves in the offseason, and perhaps, th- perhaps things got a little p- too predictable in December on offense. A lot of films out there at that point. Maybe the Cardinals didn't evolve as much. Missing a Max Williams, a dual tight end, where you know, it wasn't as easy to decipher. Are they going to run it or throw it? So I think they're going to try and get back to that, incorporate more of that into the offense this year. And now there's no excuse they have this whole offseason to prepare an offense around not having DeAndre Hopkins, which should have a big difference. What kind of immediate impact can a rookie like Trey McBride make right off the bat? Well, I think it can be big. I mean, he's he's got all the tools. He's, he can be a good inline blocker. Um, he's got great hands. He can get separation from linebackers. Um, but to Paulie's point, um, it, you know, to be a good offense, it's not – um, making it one way in the offseason and sticking with it. It's not a cut and paste from our offensive game plan from week one to week two. It is the ability to um, change based on the defense you're playing, based on the personnel you're playing against, based on the personnel you have available. Um, so that's you know that's why these offseason practices are so vital. You want to see what can this guy bring? Can we use him in a certain situation? Um, and you know you want to be able to mix it up week to week, um, like Paulie was talking about. Um, the last thing you want to do in the NFL is become a predictable offense is because you might have short-term success, but defensive coordinators will figure you out at some point in the season, and they will get your number. And so you have to have that ability to adjust. And, you know, um, you know, looking back again at last season, when D-Hop went down, you could tell the level of the offense um, was not the same, and they needed the ability to change the offense and, and evolve a little bit um, on, the, on the fly during the season. And a big reason this offense has evolved over the years, quarterback Kyler Murray. And Justin Pugh talked about that on the Dave Pesh podcast ball. He was saying, you know, I was here 
four years ago when this team wasn't relevant, and he has a good point. No doubt. Show of hands. Uh, who was he? I was definitely here. And so, yeah, let's listen to what Justin Pugh had to say because uh, it is a good reminder of what the Cardinals were before Kyler. Kyler's in his third year in the NFL. And when I was in New York, Eli Manning was not a vocal leader. He was the first one in. He was the last one out. He did everything right. Kyler comes in, and he does everything we asked him to do. I was here four years ago, and we didn't have Kyler Murray. You, you, oh, you so remember, was I. You remember that team? I've seen, I've seen a lot of uh, quarterbacks the, come through this door, Justin, in 21 years. We had the worst <laughs> offense in, I think, NFL history. <laughs> so when Kyler got here, a light went back on. Yeah. A relevance came back on. We started playing primetime games again. Right. We've been in the playoffs. We've been relevant. Our fan base has something to look forward to every year. There's something to be said about that. Now, obviously, there's you know people don't like the way you look. Look at Eli Manning, the Eli Manning face that's plastered everywhere. Right. No matter what happens, <laughs> you're going to have issues. Yes, does Kyler have a mopey attitude on the sidelines from time to time? Yeah, so do I. But they don't have a camera on me when I'm <laughs> sitting there angry after we have a turnover or we lose a game. Uh, no, it's a great podcast, the Dave Pash podcast. you got to check it out. Justin Pugh is a phenomenal interview. Uh, two points there. Yes, 2018, the offense wasn't just bad. It was historically bad. It, there's no doubt about it. You can look up the numbers. I, they were they were like all-time worse in, a lot of, in modern history of NFL football. Now, number two, I didn't realize that the Eli Manning face is actually a thing. If you Google it up, it defines it as, quote, a phenomenon in which New York Giants quarterback Eli Manning has a bizarre or hilarious expression on his face captured by cameras during games and turned into a meme by the internet. <laughs> that was 2018. And and yes, if you go, there have been a number of stories on Eli Manning and his facial expressions, the, the pained, perplexed facial expressions captured on camera. And so that is a great point. First off, Kyler's not the only quarterback to be captured by the court. And number two, if you had a if you had a camera on every single player on the Cardinals sideline, they'd have their own expressions as well. Kyle, as we've got a few weeks until training camp begins, what should the players be working on on their own right now the next couple weeks? Well, the biggest thing is staying in shape. Um, the season's a grind. You don't want to take the time off, show up to training camp, and not be ready. Um, you've got to have your body prepared because it is a grind, and you don't want to be playing catch-up when you show up. Episode 32 of the Dave Pash Podcast featuring Cardinals offensive lineman Justin Pugh is available now. To catch up on past episodes, follow the Dave Pash Podcast via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest updates via Twitter at PashPod. Arizona Cardinals season tickets are available now. Visit azcardinals.com season for more information. More Cardinals Red Sea Report coming up right after this. Three-step drop, steps up, gets hit, and sacked back at about the 13-yard line by Marcus Golden. When you need a play, 44 is there. Start barking. <laughs> Give to Robinson running right. Met by Kennard, who got off a block and stuffed the play. Hands it off. Nowhere to run between the tackles. Devon Kennard back to throw Flacco. Sacked by Gardeck. Oh, my goodness. What a move by Dennis Gardeck, the barbarian. Flacco in the pocket, going to get hit and sacked. Dennis Gardak got him again. Dennis Gardak got up and did a little barbarian dance around the fire. That's your current Cardinals veteran pass rush. Marcus Golden, Devon Kennard, Dennis Gardak. Welcome back into the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seat in a seat. Kyle Vandenbosch and Paul Calvisi. I'm Danny Sarek. 
how are we feeling about the confidence of this veteran pass rush? Because as you go down the list after those three, it's two rookies, Cameron Thomas, Jay Sanders. Paul? Well, I'm going to defer to the guy who did it for a living and went to three <laughs> Pro Bowls. I'm going to base my reaction based on the reaction of Kyle Vandenbosch. How are you feeling about the Cardinals pass rush this year minus Chandler Jones? I, I'm encouraged. There's definitely enough talent uh, mixed with experience. Um, and um, the veterans um, that are filling in that spot have all done it before in the past, right? Um, they've all had success as pass rushers. Um, you know, I look back to when I was in Tennessee, um, I played the right side, and we had two really good pass rushers that rotated on the left side. Um, and they were completely different types of pass rushers. They had different body types. They did different things. Um, you know, when I watch Chandler Jones, he can do anything. I mean, he can speed rush. He can power rush. He can change it up. And, um, you know, I was strictly a fastball pass rusher. I would just go, 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 go. Um, but with this group, um, you have different rushers um, that do different things. And so you have the built-in changeup. When an offensive tackle – tries to study the defensive end or outside linebacker, he's going to try to block. Um, he, he works on it all week and figures out a way, I'm going to block his best rush as well. When you're preparing for two or three guys that might be rotating in, um, it becomes nearly impossible because they do different things and you don't have one way you can block them um, to hang your hat on. So, um, you know, I'm excited to see how it shakes out. Um, I love competition at any position. Um, I think it brings out the best in everybody. And these guys um, that are potentially going to step in at outside linebacker, um, you know, they're all competing for reps. And so um, it's going to be exciting to see who, who, you know, is on the field on third down. But they all have that ability. And, um, you know, I, I can't, as sitting here today, say who's going to be the, the premier pass rusher opposite of Marcus Golden. Um, but I'm excited because they do all have that ability and, and potentially can step in and be really effective. So, Paul, your answer is just copy and paste. <laughs> you know what? If and, and we have talked about that. So I'm, I'm encouraged by his encouragement and the fact that he cited the different body types. Because whether it's Devon Kennard or the pit bull Dennis Gardak or the long, lanky speed guy in rookie Maje Sanders closer to a Chandler Jones or maybe more of a power guy like a Cameron Thomas – akin to a J.J. Watt. And don't forget about J.J. Watt getting some penetration and being part of that that pass rush just on the defensive front. Yes, the Cardinals have that going for them. They, they can throw in a rotation of guys that are going to all present a different look for that tackle. There's no doubt about it. Maybe that's one of the reasons that Dennis Gardak two years ago had that ridiculous seven sacks and 93 defensive snaps because he was so radically different than a Chandler Jones after Chan went down with a bicep injury. Think about it. He comes in at about six foot, and he's just a ball of fury, and, and he was very effective. Now, Dennis Gardeck has told us in this very studio that he does feel 100%. He might have thought he was 100% coming back from the torn ACL last year, but he, he realized when he got to this offseason, the workouts, he is truly back. So what does that mean? And Devon Kennard's confidence said, he looked me right in the eye a couple weeks ago and said, look, until I got to Arizona, I was a starter my entire NFL career. Yes, I can start for Vance Joseph. Reminder, it was Marcus Golden who led the team with 11 sacks last season. The third time in his career, he had double-digit sacks. Rookie Cameron Thomas was on the Big Red Rage, and he touched on two parts of his game that he's focusing on. When I think about me, myself, as a person and a player, um, it all starts with effort, um, You know, whether that's on the field, off the field. But I really try to pride myself with my effort. Um, and this relentlessness, you know, so when I, when I go out there every single play, I want to be just absolutely relentless. 
Um, you know, that's not something I just kind of woke up one day and did. That's something that has just been earned every single day, day in, day out, just adding up to those moments. So when they come, you know, they could be reality. At this point, Kyle, that's really all you can ask out of a rookie is that effort day in and day out. Right. Um, I made a 12-year career off of it. I mean, I was above average talent, um, but it was the effort and relentlessness that kept me around and allowed me to have success. And I love to hear that from a young player. Um, and you saw it from him already. I mean, it's the it's sometimes you can't coach that. You can't teach that. It's, it's what's inside of you, and he has it. And it's going to serve him well. Um, and I loved, um, you know, I listened to Paulie's interview uh, with Cameron Thomas, um, and, you know, when he first set foot in the building, he saw J.J. Watt getting out of the hot tub. Um, and I remember when I was a veteran, it, it, that was not an accident that J.J. Watt was there. I'm sure he knew when the rookies were coming in, he wanted to be the first face they saw because I did the same thing. Like, you know, the coaches said, watch this guy, practice like this guy. I want to be the first person that they saw so that they understand um, what it takes and, and how to have that level of success. So, um, And for a young guy like him that thinks – I've given everything I got. I play as hard as I can for him to see a guy like J.J. Watt um, putting in the extra time, being first in, last out. Um, he's got that role model right there for him, and it's only going to help him. Cameron Thomas wore 99 in college. However, he was smart enough to know not to ask J.J. Watt for that number. <laughs> Vance Joseph talked about the potential impact not only of Thomas, but also fellow rookie outside linebacker MyJ Sanders. You can't replace Chandler Jones. I mean, he, he's a Hall of Fame rusher, you know, so you can't replace that production. But as a group, we can. You know, I think Monte is going to be fine. Uh, Cam's a big, strong, physical rusher. They're young, but they can rush. And, um, you know, rushing is obviously a learned behavior, but it starts with ability, you know, and they both have the ability to rush. So hopefully those guys can help us, and we can obviously uh, scheme some things up to help us also. But in the, the day, you know, we got to rush four and win one on one. So those guys should help us win. Not having Chandler Jones is obviously a big loss for this defense. Realistically, how close can they be this year to where they were last year without him, maybe using more of a rotation, Kyle? Yeah, I think they can get there. Um, you know, we saw two years ago when Chandler Jones was injured and, and the production that they had. And, um, you know, you, you heard Vance Joseph say um, at times, you know, we're going to need to scheme up a rush. Um, and again, you know, that's what good coordinators do. They take the guys they have, they figure out their ability, they figure out how to use them. Um, and I think Vance Joseph is a, is a mastermind at that, at, at recognizing, identifying a skill sets of players, putting them in positions to have success on the football field. Um, so, you know, there won't be, in my opinion, there's not going to be a huge drop off in sack numbers. There's not going to be, um, you know, a drop off on, on getting off the field on third downs. Um, they'll get it done, and you know it's just they, they've still got time to identify what these players' strengths are and how they can help this defense. How risky is it, Kyle, when you talk about generating a pass rush via scheme by dialing it up? Does that leave a defense vulnerable? Not necessarily. It depends on who the quarterback is. Um, some quarterbacks love it when you blitz. They can identify the blitz before the snap, and they know where to go, and they know the quick answers. Um, other quarter quarterbacks don't, so it, it's kind of a week-to-week -week type thing. Some, some weeks you'll blitz a ton if it's a young quarterback, and other weeks you're going to hold your guys back and try to get there with a four-man rush. 
So, Paul, is outside linebacker still an area that needs to be addressed with a veteran before training camp? Not necessarily. Center is more important right now if Rodney Hudson doesn't come back. Corner, but I'm sure it's on the radar. If there's a, Maybe an Indomitian Sue, maybe a defensive tackle, a former teammate at KVB's dot, dot, dot. Anything is possible ahead of that season opener against the Kansas City Chiefs. You can get your single-game tickets now. Visit azcardinals.com slash tickets for more information. More Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by Seeky coming up soon. Trips right, single receiver left. Shotgun snap to McCoy. Hands off Benjamin off the left side of the 15. He trucks a DB and walks into the end zone. His first touchdown. Eno Benjamin just ran over former Cardinal Drake Kirkpatrick and maybe put this one out of reach. 30 to 7 midway through the third. Eno Benjamin's a little filthy. Man. For the first one and two for his first touchdown, that was awesome, incredible to see. So you see no hesitation, you know, for the contact, and, you know, he picked his legs up running out of it. So special back. James Conner talking about fellow running back Eno Benjamin for that amazing touchdown last season. That was so great. You know what? I would say, based on the sideline reaction, that was top three last year. Of all the reactions from all the plays, the way the sideline went berserk when Eno Benjamin just Jack stop, Drake or Patrick. Guys just vaulted off that bench and went nuts. Welcome back into the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seat in a seat alongside Kyle Vandenbosch and Paul Calvisi. I'm Danny Sarek. Suddenly this running back's room is a little full. James Conner was re-signed in free agency. Chase Edmonds, of course, went to Miami. The Cardinals have Eno Benjamin. They have Jonathan Ward, who they really like on special teams. They drafted Keonta Ingram, and they recently brought in Darrell Williams, who was recently with the Kansas City Chiefs. So now you've got a full room. However, it's been Eno Benjamin that's been receiving a lot of praise from the coaching staff and how they, it seems like they say that something's almost clicked, like he's taken that next step this offseason, Paul. And you know what? It, it was so glaring, and it was so such a conscientious effort to mention Eno Benjamin, sometimes out of the blue, that I wondered, you know, the conspiracy theorist in me and spending 30 years in a newsroom, I wondered, wait a minute, is something afoot here? Are they trying to pump up the value of an Eno Benjamin? Because if they have one too many running backs, would they try and get something in return from another team, perhaps in August, if another team suffers injuries, what have you? But doing a little investigating, Danny, no. It's legit, and it is warranted, all this praise of Eno Benjamin. He has looked that good. Uh, he has also resolved a couple of his deficiencies. Uh, a, maybe the focus, a bit of immaturity in his, his early days as an Arizona Cardinal. He has mastered the playbook. There's no He has the trust of the coaching staff when it comes to the playbook. Remember, you don't want to be a liability, especially at that position, and when it comes to pass pro. And that was the biggest question mark. Could he protect his quarterback if called upon? Because you know what's at stake in your franchise quarterback, and now they can trust him in that department as well. Five running backs, you're not going to carry five on your final roster. I think four is reasonable and maybe put one on the practice squad. Kyle, when you look at the different skill set that all these running backs bring, where do you think that everybody could land in terms of that? It's a good question. I mean, it's it's a good problem to have. Um, You you talk about different skill sets. Um, Honestly, they all are physical, physical runners. Um, and, you know, maybe there was a question about whether, you know, Benjamin could become that type of runner, and he showed that last year. Like, he ran angry, just like James Conner ran angry. Darrell Williams is a big physical running back, and 
Keontae Ingram is is also a big physical running back. They can all they all want to hit the hole going north and south. Um, they all I mean can fire up the offense and the entire team by their physical style, um, and they all can catch the ball out of the backfield. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how they differentiate themselves. Um, again, um, you know, especially the way this offense has evolved under Cliff Kingsbury. The running game has been huge. When this team was its most successful last year, it had the running game going. Um, they were punishing teams, um, you know, running the ball hard. Um, so um, you can't, again, have too much depth at this, but it does seem like it's going to be um, – you know, any of these guys, it's not like you have a, a, a lightning and a thunder package where you have a, a scat back that you bring in for certain plays and you, you have a north-south runner for other plays. They all have the ability to do both. They can all stick their foot in the ground and, and get vertical quickly. So, um, you know, it's, it's as we sit here today, not having the ability to watch much of practice, um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how these shake out, and a lot of it's going to be decided in training camp. Paul, you mentioned focus for Eno Benjamin, and I would imagine bringing in Daryl Williams more competition will probably yeah. up that as well for him. I mean, think about it. He started 7 out of 17 games last year for KC and still had 1,000 yards from scrimmage running and catching the ball. The other guys in the Chiefs offense, you ever heard of Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey? And then Daryl Williams, so he is that big back. What will the Cardinals offense look like minus D-Hop those first six games? I'm betting they're going to be running the ball more than we probably anticipated. Countdown to the regular season. Countdown to training camp is officially on, so be sure to stay locked in on azcardinals.com as we have coverage for that there. Special shout-out to our senior broadcast manager and producer, Jim Amahandro, technical director, Zach Larson. For Kyle Bandabosch and Paul Calvisi, I'm Danny Sarek. Thanks so much for listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek right here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.